How many people are ready for the presidential election? You just ready to to go and to vote? You're excited about uh, all the commercials that are going to be coming and people calling you. I, I received a free cruise the other day because someone called and asked my opinion. About two hours later, I realized it was going to cost $2,000, but it was still free. And uh, yes, I stayed on the phone the whole time because I thought, this is it. Uh, a three-day cruise that would cost me about $2,000, all for a vote. One of the things that people are doing uh, in a lot of, uh, their, in fact, there are articles today in, um, in papers about uh, what kind of president each one of these candidates would be, uh, of course, all the way up to this point. And now as we look at uh, Mitt Romney and uh, Barack Obama, we, um, th these questions come up. And we certainly know more uh, about President Obama because he's been in office. And some of these questions we certainly know the answer to. But as we look at a new candidate, someone who is uh, really un untested in the presidential office, we wonder, is this person good in a crisis? Can this person really be there for our nation when something goes wrong, when a terrorist attack, God forbid, happens, or um, when something else, uh, another Katrina, or something that is just major hits our nation and we need someone who is really good in a crisis? I mean, right now they're talking about what kind of ice cream they like and talking about uh, you know, what church they go to and a lot of different things like that, but it, it really comes down to that, I think. Can this person really lead our nation? Well, it seems like those questions are the kind of questions taking place in the life of Jesus uh, with the disciples as they're out there in this boat. And Michelle, I'm with you. Every time I read that, that scripture, I just, it, I think it's me in the boat. And, uh, and I think at different times, we all think uh, of this story. It is such a powerful story. And it is one of those that is full of surprises and it is uh, full of inspiration and full of encouragement. And so I hope that as we leave tonight, you will know something more and something uh, more significant about Jesus and, and not have to wonder what's going to happen in the storm that hits your life. Maybe you're in one right now or uh, maybe you, you just know they're inevitable in, in uh, days or years to come that there will be storms that that blow into your life and, and the waters will begin to come over the edge of the boat and you'll begin to have fear. I mean, I think we all, we all know what that feels like. But what is it that we could know about Jesus? What kind of a leader is He? Well, Mark gives us some great information here. And what I would say to you as well as say to myself is that in the midst of the storms and the things that come into our lives, you can know that Jesus is in the boat with you. That He is right there in the midst of it with you. And that's uh, one of the significant things that Mark talks about here. As he says that He was in the stern. But He was in the stern asleep on the cushion. So they are headed across the lake or, or the sea. And as uh, it really was like a lake though. But as they were crossing over, this storm blew in. And it was really Jesus' idea to go across. He had been teaching and all the crowds were on the shore and He decided, let's go to the other side. And so they get in the boat and they start heading to the other side. And one of these storms blew in and these storms were notorious for just coming out of nowhere and, and blowing through uh, just 
causing all kinds of trouble. And that's what was taking place here. One of those storms where they felt like they just were going to die. They weren't going to make it to the other side. And in the midst of all this, and some of these uh, pictures that you will see uh, are just different representations of how people view this. But uh, one of them uh, just shows the fear on their faces as they are looking around and then they look at Jesus and He is there asleep on the boat. And it's uh, significant to think about that because we certainly, if we are honest tonight, we've all been there, haven't we? We look and we think Jesus is asleep. And we wonder, where, where are you? Why haven't you shown up? Well, again, you can see some of these uh, images here. Uh, this is a, a stained glass image, and you can see just how they are looking up, and Jesus is looking at, at the sun there, and there's a better day on the horizon. And in um, this particular one, these were all interesting. I, I had to try to uh, pick. There are so many to, to look at. But uh, this one here, you can see Jesus at the at the stern of the boat, and he is asleep. And you can see the fear and the panic. You can see the uh, white caps of the waves and the wind that's blowing. And this one as well shows, a, shows it from a, an Asian perspective. And I, I like to look at different pictures of Jesus from different cultures because you can get a, an understanding of how they view things culturally. And this is Jesus calming the storm. And then this one, uh, I don't know if that's lightning up there or if that was just a, a crease in the painting, but you can see Jesus fully in charge of the storm and the disciples are at the back and you get the idea that they're just barely hanging on and Jesus is the one, obviously, who is leading them through. I think it's significant to, to consider how Jesus was right there in their midst and yet they were challenged. There's a, a great quote from G.K. Chesterton uh, who said, One sees great things from the valley, but only small things from the peak. It is in the valleys, in the storms, that we find God. And that's exactly where they found Jesus. It was right in the midst of their storm. It wasn't in the, the high times when they would gather around a table and they would dine together or when they would be traveling and listening to the teachings of Jesus, those were great times. There were times when they would laugh. By the way, if you've not seen the picture of Jesus laughing, it is uh, just an incredibly encouraging picture because most of them show a stern Jesus or a Jesus with a frown um, or Jesus hanging on the cross. But this one is Jesus laughing. And as we uh, note here, this was not a time of laughing. This was a time of crisis, and Jesus was right there in their midst, and they could discover that. They could see it. Well, in the midst of the storms that blow into your life, you have that challenge as well to see Jesus in the midst of them, that Jesus is in the same boat that you're in. And that's one of the comforting things that we know is that Jesus uh, is one who can understand everything that we're going through. He can understand the intense suffering because Jesus has also suffered. But Jesus was right there in the boat. Have you seen Jesus in your boat? Have you been able to look and to see where He is? We're so blinded by the circumstances, whether it's uh, something that relates to our, our finances or our health or our employment or whatever it is. We, we can get so uh, beaten by the waves, not only feeling them, but seeing them coming from a distance. 
that panic and fear just takes us over. And we don't realize or forget that Jesus is right there in the midst of it. And it's also a matter of looking to see what he's doing. Of course, in this one, he's sleeping. And uh, I want to mention that one in a moment because it's a very interesting uh, picture that Mark paints for us. That Jesus was there, but he was asleep. Sometimes we think Jesus is asleep on us. How many times have you prayed and prayed and prayed for something only to hear no answer at all? And you just think, well, uh, God is, is obviously not listening or God is asleep or um, He just doesn't care about me. I mean, there are only so many things that we could conclude. Maybe you feel that today. Maybe that's something that is very real. You feel like He's asleep. Well, what I would ask you to do is just to imagine, paint your own picture of your own storm, of your own waves, and your own crisis. And imagine seeing Jesus right in the midst of that. He's not outside of it. He is right in the midst of it with you. He is walking through that time with you. And as you Continue to feel the fear and anxiety that comes over you. Continue to get that picture in your mind of imagining what it is like to have Jesus right in your midst. Well, another thing that that Mark points out to us here that that we can carry with us in this next week is that that Jesus is not worried about what you are worried about. Jesus is just not worried about what you're worried about. And that's what Mark is is saying here, that he is asleep, but he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. It's not enough that Mark says he was asleep, but that he was on a cushion. I mean, did he bring it with him? Or, I mean, what's what's the deal here? Did he know he was going to take a nap? Or uh, did he just kind of carry one around with him? And they woke him up. So he is in such a slumber. I mean, he's worn out. Here is the Son of God. God in human flesh who is in the boat, asleep. He is tired, and they have to shake him to wake him up. And they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing, that we are getting ready to die? You've done all these things for all these other people, but what are you going to do right now? And I'm sure they had uh, other words for him, words of of anger and, and, and words of panic and urgency. Get up, Jesus. How could you sleep at a time like this? Don't you know what is going to happen? I mean, it was your idea to begin with. You said, let's go to the other side. And so we really didn't want to go to the other side, but here we are, and now there's a big storm and we're all going to die. That's not the way I wanted to go out. We worry just like they did. There's a, a neat statistic, uh, a group of statistics that I found uh, that really only 2% of the things that you worry about will happen. Or 2% of the things that you worry about, you really should be worried about. And you probably have experienced that 2%. But 98% uh, is, accordingly, as uh, based on a, a survey, 40% of things that never happen, 35% on things that can't be changed, 15% on things that turn out better than expected, and 8% on useless, petty worries. How does your worry list line up with that? Is that pretty much true for you? I think it's pretty typical of all of us. The things that we continue to worry about are things that we just can't do anything at all about. 
The disciples looked out and they saw the waves and they began to, to have fear and concern. And they could do nothing about it. The waters were coming into the boat and that would mean sudden death. But Jesus was right there and was totally not worried at all. And I love this picture of him. He's just relaxed and you just get the idea that he's like, why are you guys bothering me? I was in a nice nap and, and uh, you're shaking me and waking me up and it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And you just kind of imagine him getting up from a nap, maybe a little cranky like we are when, when we get up from a nap. And uh, he just looks at the waves and calms them. But yet they are so worried. In the midst of our storms and the winds and the waves that blow into our lives, we need to understand that Jesus doesn't want us to be worried. He even talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount, that really it does nothing for us. We, we have today, we can't worry about tomorrow, and we certainly can't worry about the past. So discover what it means to not worry. That's hard to do, isn't it? It's kind of like praying for patience. Uh, it's not necessarily the best prayer. And if you are praying not to worry, um, really mean that. And say, God, I really want to get some help in, in not worrying about things. But realizing that it's a problem to have fear. Fear will ruin your health. Fear will uh, destroy your relationships. It will uh, prevent you from being who God fully made you to be. Fear will keep you ultimately in your house doing nothing for the kingdom of God. Just think about the significance of being here as a church. We stepped out to uh, form this church with a little bit of fear, but with a lot of courage and boldness and faith in God, knowing that, that there would be storms and there would be challenges, and, and we've had some of those in the last two years. But also realizing, I, I hope, that, that we can't worry that we know God is in charge and that God is, He's not worried. But also realizing the, uh, the perspective that we can have in the midst of this, the eternal perspective. How many things right now in your life really have all that much eternal significance? Not many. Even, even our health and, and uh, the, the relationships that we have, we tend to uh, think that, that these are the primary things in our lives. And that they will matter forever. And the disciples thought, this is our moment. And we need to understand that, that God has uh, the bigger picture. And that we just fall right into that picture. So as these thoughts come, just note them and, and say, okay, that's a, that's a thought of worry. And I'm going to let it go. I'm going to recognize that it's a, a, a worry thought. It's, it's anxiety. I'm going to call it what it is. And then I'm going to let it go. I see the waves that are coming. I recognize them. But I also recognize who's in the boat with me. Well, finally, what Mark says to them here is, uh, says to us here is that Jesus is the Lord of the storm. And He is the Lord of your storm. Your storm today, but also the storm that may come tomorrow. In verse 39, one of the things that uh, is mentioned here. And I think that's an interesting picture. I just ran across it um, this afternoon. And you can, see the, uh, you can see different races represented, different genders. You can see um, someone holding on to the, the mast there. And then you, you see Jesus right up at the front with all authority and, and just the Lord of the storm. 
And what Mark tells us is that he woke up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then the wind ceased and there was dead calm. It's a lot like if you go to a fountain, if you've ever been to Las Vegas and you go to the, uh, the fountains there at the Bellagio and you, you, you look out and, and you see all these uh, shows of um, all the fountains going off at different times and all the lights, by the way, have not gambled there, but you see all the fountains that are, that are going off and then whenever they shut down, it just immediately shuts off and, and you just hear this clap of water and then it is still and it is quiet. That's really the idea behind the language that Jesus was using here, but also the language that Mark uses to describe it. He said, peace, be still. And it was still. We have the imagery here of uh, God creating the world and, and hovering over the waters and His power to not only create, but to maintain and to sustain. And then there was dead calm. Jesus showed that he was indeed Lord of the storm. And then verse 41, uh, Mark tells us, And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this guy? We thought we knew him. We saw him do things where he would uh, cast out demons from people and he would go and, and touch a leper or he would... Uh, take someone who was limping along and, and not even able to, to walk and heal them or put dirt into someone's eyes and all of a sudden they could see. But we never thought he could do anything like this. They were full of awe and praise and wonder at what this Son of God was doing in their boat. In the midst of your storms, know that Jesus is still Lord of the storm. Do you really believe that? You may think, well, my, my storm is too big. But it's not. It doesn't matter how high the waves are. It doesn't matter how terrible you feel right now. It doesn't matter um, how many challenges that you're facing. Jesus is still the Lord of the storm. And in the midst of the storm, sometimes it is hard to see the sun that is shining on the other side of those clouds. But it is still shining. And the way, the, one of the ways we can do this is just recognizing the power that um, Jesus has already demonstrated. Think about how He has demonstrated power in your life or power in someone else's life. Think about the testimonies. We, we've heard right here in the church. By the way, if you'd ever like to share your testimony, you're certainly welcome to. Let me know. Because I know that your story will affirm and will encourage someone else. Maybe the storm that you've been through is similar to one that someone else has been through. But to think about the power. We say Jesus has power. And that power is something that works in the church. It's something that works in us as individuals. But do we really believe it? Does He really have the power to change your circumstances? And to lead you through what you're going through. But also recognizing His sovereignty. That He is sovereign over everything. And certainly the winds and the, the storm that was blowing that day was something that He had control over. It's interesting to think about. And, and we can see in, in some of these pictures where you know, Jesus is looking up to the sky. But He has every bit of authority over nature. 
And the same thing is true with you and your nature. But the key is allowing Him to be your Lord. That's the hard part. Because if we can control, if we can hang on to our problems and we can control them, then we feel much better. Until it just all comes apart and there's no way that we can put it back together. And that's okay. We see in Job, the scripture that was read earlier, of how God is putting the pieces of Job's life back together. There's a long story in there of how that takes place. What about with you? Are you allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your storm? Maybe it's just through saying a prayer and saying, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I I can't move on without you. I don't want to take another step without you guiding me. I I don't want to get out of this boat. I want to stay right here with you because I know that you'll lead me through this. Maybe it's just in a quiet prayer as you're feeling the brokenness of the situation. I talked to a friend on uh, Friday night. We went to the <clears throat> Cooperative Baptist Fellowship uh, General Assembly, which was in uh, Fort Worth this year. And um, I had a, an opportunity to uh, meet up with a, a family that we got to know extremely well and, and was involved in our church. They lived right down the street from us. Um, there we lived in a little community called Trophy Club, which is just north Fort Worth. And as we were starting this church, uh, they came in really early in the process. They moved in, Jenny took them brownies, and the next thing we knew, we had them. And uh, they started coming to the church, and um, we just, they, they were always such a blessing to us. And as we have, have moved away, we continue to stay in contact with them, and um, they uh, have just continued to be a blessing to us. And so we went out to eat with them Friday night because, uh, and you may have heard me mention uh, just Uh, last month of how um, we were praying for a little girl named Micah, Micah Ferranti. And she was uh, born premature, I believe at 22 weeks, 23 weeks. And uh, she was fighting for her life. And she had some similar challenges that we had to deal with, with uh, medical problems, brain uh, trauma and bleeding in the brain and difficulty uh, that, that comes out of all of those problems. And she was fighting for her life, and she continued to do so. And, uh, but ultimately, there was nothing else that could be done for her. She could not make it, and she died. I was keeping up with uh, my friend, with her dad, Don, uh, during this time. And I was looking at his Facebook page, and I was, uh, we were texting back and forth. And I really could identify with... Uh, the struggle and the pain, even though our situations were somewhat different just because of age, I, I just started to go through some of those same emotions as well. But on Friday night, he was uh, telling me that uh, he really had a, a difficult time because uh, after about a week of this, he began to feel like he just didn't care. He just didn't care at all, and he didn't have any worries, he didn't have any anxieties, and he, uh, and I remember him calling me about that time and asking me some questions about this. Like, is this normal? And uh, I said, well, you know, Don, I, I can remember having that same kind of feeling as you mention it because uh, I don't think God wants us and knows that we can't feel all of that. That, that we're on a marathon, we're, we're on a roller coaster. There are a lot of ways of describing sitting at the bedside of your dying child. And I just, I just mentioned to him that it's okay to feel that. I don't know exactly how to describe it, but yes, that's, that's kind of what I felt. And 
He said he talked to his wife that night and he just said, look, I, I've just been going through the day and I, it's like I, I just don't have any concern or uh, I'm just apathetic. And she said, wow, I'm glad you said that because I, feel, I felt the same way. And as he was describing to me, as he reflected on this and even after her, her death, he began to understand that as the peace of God. He didn't know it exactly at the time, but but God was providing His sustaining peace in the midst of that difficult time when His body was tired, His mind was tired, and He couldn't even uh, put together the words to pray. It was the peace of Christ, bringing calm amidst all the waves and the wind and the terror of the emotions of that situation. He's told me that He is now sharing that with other people. He said, you know, I never really knew. I've been a believer all my life, but I I never really knew that kind of peace. I wonder today, do you? Do you know the kind of peace that can only come from the Lord of the storm? Let's pray.